1: Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. We're going to talk about should the Nats trade Bryce Harper, which is actually a thing that you can say and not sound like a crazy person, so that's going to be a lot of fun. A few dark horse trade candidates. We're going to tell you something you didn't know about Aaron Judge, or maybe you did, but not to this uh, extreme level. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the most interesting minor league pitcher that you don't know enough about. And of course, Matt, I know you're excited about this. Luis Perdomo came back to the big leagues yesterday. But we're going to get to that. It's a holiday edition of the Statcast podcast. And first, what did you think when you heard people, by which I mean me, say should the Nationals trade Bryce Harper? Should they at least think about it? Is that kind of a um, re- realistic assumption?
0: In a vacuum, certainly. I don't think it's going to happen for a variety of reasons, but I think that like if you just look at where things stand now with the Nationals and the National League East and the way Harper's playing, there's reason to think that they should consider it.
1: I tweeted this the other day as kind of a joke, and then uh, they kept losing, and then I started thinking to myself, oh, there might actually be something to this. The Nationals are currently 42-43. and They are seven games out in the East. They are behind six other teams in the wild card. Right now, uh, as we tape this, the Cubs and the Phillies would have the wild card. The Dodgers, Cardinals, Giants, and Rockies are all also ahead of the Nationals. Since May 31st, uh, the worst team in baseball has been the Kansas City Royals. They are 5-25. and Second worst has been the Mets, third worst Baltimore, and fourth worst, your 9-21 Washington Nationals. That's crazy. Everybody kind of thought, I don't know if they thought they'd run away with the division, but I think that they were obviously the preseason favorite. And since the All-Star game is in Washington uh, next week, obviously they're not going to make any big moves before that. They're going to try to let this play out because uh, they just got through a tough part of their schedule. They've got a little bit of an easier stretch coming up. But let's say it's after the All-Star game it's i don't know july 21st right 10 games out from the trade deadline and they are 10 games out in the national league east and still behind five or six other teams you have to start thinking about the fact it's not going to work this year and maybe think about what to do going forward
0: yeah i mean the question now i have with like all these these like rental players is like the, the calculus now is almost to a certain degree like are you better off waiting and taking the the comp pick like last like last year if you can go back and look at jd martinez right jd martinez who at the time was the basically one of the top three hitters in baseball playing much better than bryce harper's playing right now he got two three prospects two of whom are on the tigers top 30 now but they're not like uh lugo and uh, jose uh, king
1: wasn't that one of them yeah he's not he's
0: not in the top 30
1: everybody hated that deal at the time right i don't think anybody liked that uh they they moved too quickly I think that was clear. I'm not, but I'm, I'm not, I think that, I, I think that, they wouldn't have gotten a lot more later, I understand, but...
0: I just don't think the market for position players is that robust for rentals right now. And Harper's not playing that well, so it's you can't really ask for peak so, price Harper return.
1: No. So is there an argument that they, if they decided to trade him, they might not get more than they could get
0: by giving him the qualifying offer? Maybe. That's a fascinating <laughs> argument. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, if you look at, you know, J.D. Martinez is kind of the high end. Of what, what outfielders were getting on the market last... Because outfielders were getting nothing yeah. last last summer. So if you sort of think that you might be similar this year, well, yeah, they got Dwell De- Lugo, who's number 12 in their system now, second baseman. Um, Sergio Alcantara, middle infielder, who's 24th in their, s- in their system. And Jose King, who's not even ranked. So um, my guess is they probably would be able to get more than whatever the qualifying off- offer could bring back. But that actually, to me, is a consideration.
1: Well, I think what would probably happen is they would trade him maybe with some of their other guys. Cuz if they're going to do it, then do it. And what's interesting about this and we'll get to his stack cast numbers in a second. They have a lot of impending free agents, right? Cuz it's not just Harper, it's Daniel Murphy, Matt weeders is you know hurt and not going to get you anything anyway, but Gio Gonzalez, uh you could flip around Calvin Herrera who they just got from Kansas City. We've seen that happen before. Uh, Ryan madsen's really good. Matt Adams has been, you know, actually kind of useful. Um, you know, Mark Reynolds has been kind of useful. You're not going to get a ton for these guys, but you could certainly package them uh to some teams. And you wouldn't have to look at it as, okay, they're giving up on the future. You know, you look at next year's Nationals, they're still going to have Scherzer, Strasberg, Trey Turner, Rendon, Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Doolittle, Kinsler, Eaton Zimmerman, Roark. I mean, that's a lot of talent. If you were able to, you know, get some pieces back, um, you could still go into next season feeling pretty good about yourself. I know it's obviously not what anybody wanted to happen this year. And I think it's also about what do you expect Harper to be? For the remainder of the season. Right now, he's hitting 215. Not everybody focuses on the batting average. I don't care about that that much. 362 on base, 478 slugging. And I think we've kind of ended up in this situation where because he's got a bad batting average and because he's underperforming what we expect from him, people think he's actually been terrible. Like it feels like the narrative around him is he's essentially Chris Davis, which I think is a little bit unfair. He's still a decently productive player. He's just not the, you know, Mike Trout esque guy we thought he'd be.
0: I mean, it's almost entirely lost singles essentially for Bryce Harper this year. Like if you look at his his stats from last year to this year, last year his ISO was 276, this year it's 263, but his BABIP last year was 356, this year it's 222. It's basically 140 points of BABIP is essentially the difference between Bryce Harper this year last year. Last year he hit 29 homers in 111 games. This year he's got 21 homers in 84 games.
1: Yeah, he's probably going to hit 30 home runs this year. And if you look at his his ass metrics, his expected weighted on base 397. League average is about 330. That puts him 23rd of 237 guys with at least 200 plate appearances. So we'll call that 90th percentile. Right, his actual wOBA is uh, 350. It's tied for 66th. That's uh, a 47-point gap. It's not nothing. I think that's where you're seeing the uh, the shifting come in. But that's not an enormous gap. It's only the 33rd largest. So I look at him, you know, his hard hit rate is still very much above average. Uh, yeah, he's getting shifted more. I think he's pulling more ground balls, and that's, that's a well, problem. But, I mean, the shift does not make him a bad hitter. It just... It making his stat line look
0: better. I mean, his pull percentage is, is way up. His pull percentage is up 10, 10 percentage points. It was around 36% last year. It's up to 46% this year. And he's certainly been a victim of the shift this year um probably one of the big reasons that scott boris is out there floating theories about how the the shift is uh discriminatory is discriminatory to <laughs> the to le- to left-handed hitters can you see me rolling my eyes through a podcast <laughs> um but he's definitely a big, i mean it, there, to me harper and the nationals are like fascinating on so many levels because it's like you know before the season it was like is bryce harper going to be a 400 million dollar player as a free agent he has a huge april and now like Bryce Harper is like the greatest April, and I I, I don't mean to make to mean this to sound like a pejorative because it's not, but it is interesting how this is basically like the third straight year where in April it's been like, oh my goodness, Bryce Harper is finally here. This is like the Bryce Harper we've been waiting for. Like the 2015 version is back in perpetuity, and then it go it basically just like falls off for whatever reason. Last year, injury was a big factor. This year, it's just like it seems like he's hitting into the shift. The shift might be in his head a little bit. Um, it's hard to pinpoint. He's still a productive hitter. Way to run his plus of 121. But he's not producing like a superstar.
1: He murdered a ball over the over the weekend or the last couple of days against the Red Sox. Like, just absolutely destroyed a ball. And I see that. And then I say, well, there's still some Bryce Harper in there. And I, I'm still kind of like, I'm not ex- expecting 2015 Bryce Harper for the rest of the season. But I'm expecting more. I'm expecting a better version than we've seen to date. I, th- I think that the underlying skills are still clearly there. But
0: like now there's, I mean, you could, you could see a world in which Machado gets a bigger deal. this Oh yeah. Season.
1: I, I think that might actually be likely,
0: um, which is sort of, which you wouldn't have really expected when the season began.
1: Yeah. And I mean, uh, not that it's going to matter at this price point, but Machado is not going to have the qualifying offer on him. That's not gonna make a huge deal, but it's a, it's a little deal because he's going to get traded. Probably. I'm not hundred percent convinced he's actually going to get traded. Um, but I was thinking about this. If the nationals do decide to trade Harper, right. Which they probably won't, but it's fun to think about. Who would trade for him? And I, I kind of made some lists here. I think there's a handful of teams um, that have stacked outfields right now. I don't think the Yankees need Bryce Harper, the Red Sox, right? Milwaukee's got plenty of outfielders after trading for Kane and Christian Yelich. Um, the Braves, probably not, because they love Nick Markakis and you've got Acuna and Ender and Ciarte. The Cubs, I don't think so, because Schwarber's been really good, and Hayward's actually playing decently, and Elmore's having a good year. And the Dodgers, everybody in the Dodgers have been hitting. They can't even get Alex Verdugo and Andrew Tolles out of AAA. So I don't think any of those teams would probably do it. Uh, a couple of teams where it's like. You know, maybe you could see it, but it's probably not going to happen. Like, you could argue the Astros could actually use Bryce Harper because, yeah, George Springer is really good. Josh Reddick is really good. Uh, your boy, Jake Marisnik has been pretty terrible this year. Marvin Gonzalez has not sustained his breakout from last year in any way. He's got a 302 on base. You could see, like, let's put Josh Reddick in left and Bryce Harper in right. It's not going to happen. You know, they could just call up, you know, Tucker and play Fisher. They need relievers. You could also kind of see maybe with the Phillies, but probably not. You know, like, Hoskins is, is pretty good, but, like, Herrera's been ice cold and Altair hasn't been playing well and Williams is okay. Probably not. They're going to get a pitcher or uh, Manny Machado. I had two good fits here. The Cleveland Indians, right? Now, imagine a scenario where they trade, let's say, for Daniel Murphy and Harper and a reliever or some combination of those things,
0: right? No, I mean, this is this is the perfect idea it's, because everyone's talking about them trading for Machado yeah, and they need bullpen help. They should trade for Machado and Herrera. I mean, it's a Harper and Herrera yes. combo deal. And and
1: Daniel Murphy, too, maybe. I know we don't know what to expect well, from no. Daniel Murphy, but Jason Kipnis has been terrible for two years now.
0: I think, I think, I mean, I think Murphy is...
1: But, I mean, but in the AL, he's got some DH time.
0: I guess. But right now, I mean, Murphy, again, he's just got back a couple weeks ago, so you don't want to read too much into it. But it seems to me that something's wrong. Um,
1: you're telling me you don't want Murphy with some DH time in the playoffs? Because I really do.
0: I'm, I mean, I guess Kip, you're right. Kipnis has been terrible. Right now, Murphy... Is hitting two hundred, two thirty-five, two seventy-seven with a hard-hit rate of nineteen point six percent, which ranks three eighty-one out of three hundred and ninety-six players That's with bad. fifty batted balls this season. That's year. real bad. His hard-hit rate in the, every the previous three, three years was right around forty percent. That's so. Well, I'm tr- I'm trying to give him some leeway for like missing all of spring training, but, but I also think it's like the kind of injury that he. It was the signals were never good. The rehab was always like, oh, he doesn't look great. Like, there was never like, oh, let's go. Perfectly All systems fair. go. It, setting him aside the Harper to the Harper and Herrera I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the offseason
1: where we said hey the Indians are a good team but they don't have a single outfielder I believe in now Michael Brantley has exceeded expectations credit to him Zimmer Geyer I think Chisholm just got hurt the other day Rajay Davis is like a perfectly fine you know backup um they need at least one outfielder if not two Harper fits there really really well and then obviously they've got enormous bullpen issues you're right you could uh, throw in a uh
0: a Kevin Herrera Works I think good. if you could, if you throw in Herrera and Harper, you actually could make a case for them. The Indians trading Francisco Mejia, their number one prospect. If you get both those players, I know right. we're we're totally playing pie in the yes. sky right now, but this, it is fun to play pie in the sky. I hope that Chris Nantanetti is is listening, and let's get weird.
1: Here's the other team I cut was a good fit, and we know this team very much likes making trades. The Seattle Mariners, right now, you look at their outfield: Ben Gamble's you know, fine. Guillermo Heredia has been not that great. Mitch handiger has been fantastic, right? And Denard Span is perfectly, you know, capable, solid player. Other than Haniger, none of those guys is going to stand in the way of Bryce Harper for me, right? Especially because if they get to the wild card game, which I, I think they will, uh, Robinson Cano will not be eligible to play because he got suspended. He'll come back for August and September, but that means Dee Gordon's going to be playing second base. Some combination of the guys I just mentioned are going to be in the outfield. I would much rather have, you know, Haniger in center, Harper in right, one of those other dudes in left.
0: That that works for me. And also, the other reason why the Indians and Mariners would be the best fits is they may be the two biggest win now teams in baseball they're like teams that like the the Mariners have a bit of an older roster the Indians have a bit of a younger roster but also like the window in which the AL Central is terrible and they're good is probably this year and maybe like you know one or two more years because like while the twins have been a huge disappointment the White Sox are coming and and
1: Andrew Miller's a free agent Cody Allen's a free agent uh, they have somebody else who's a free agent who I can't place right now. But yes, I agree. But yes, and if
0: you, if you can if you can get a, an elite reliever with Harper, if you package one of your elite relievers with Harper, that is a really interesting trade package for any team because every team can use a reliever. Yeah. No matter what, you can get someone who's better than like. You can you know, strengthen your chain by getting a better person for the seventh or eighth inning. Oh, I love this idea. Let's make it happen. All right. Fantastic.
1: I absolutely love it. All right. Before we get into some of the real uh, StatCast stuff, let's stick with some uh, trade deadline stuff. It is July, right? This is what the biggest news is going to be for the next couple of weeks. So uh, I went through and I looked at some of the uh, impending free agents, right? Like those are the guys most obvious to get moved. Some of them are certainly going to get traded. We know Jay Happ's going to go somewhere and Mike Moustakis is going to go somewhere and Machado is probably going to go somewhere. Uh, Some of the other impending free agents, you know, are not going anywhere. They're important parts of teams like Patrick Corbin's not going to get traded and Craig Kimbrell's not going to get traded. But what about players on teams that are kind of on the bubble? They sort of have to decide in the next few weeks, are they in or are they out? You know, I think this is going to be fun. There's a lot of teams we know that are out like the Reds and the Mets and the White Sox are out. Some of these teams are sort of in, sort of out. And if they decide to make some trades, they could put some talented names on the market uh, that could really shake up the trade deadline. And the first team I thought it was the Colorado Rockies. Remember they spent all that money on the bullpen? That did not work out. They have, uh, by ERA, the third worst bullpen in team history, which is kind of saying a lot considering their history. They are right now now. They did just sweep the Giants, so that's something.
0: And they have a better record than the Nationals, as we better, pointed out. Yes,
1: they do. But right now, they are one game over 500. They are fourth in the National League West. They have a 5% uh, postseason odds. Now, I don't think they should trade everybody today, but I'm saying if it. Doesn't if this isn't the start of a hot streak for them, then you could see in the next couple weeks them looking for, uh, 2019 and the number one player that I think would be so interesting if they put out there would be Adam Ottavino who's been unbelievable this year you know before and after he got hurt uh, right now there's uh, 189 relievers who've faced 100 guys he has the fourth best fourth lowest expected weighted on base and uh, I got to read these three names for you okay Josh Hader number one sure Sean Doolittle number two okay Jose Leclerc number three. I bet you 90% of the people listening to this show don't actually know who Jose Leclerc is, but we do because we talked about him last year. He's a reliever for the Rangers who's got an elite high-spin fastball, and we thought that was interesting. Anyway, that's a totally separate topic. Otavino is fourth, Chapman is 5th otavino Adovino's been really, really good, uh, and he's one of our favorite players because he's a local part of it. He's from Brooklyn, and uh, he spent a lot of time this winter when he basically holed himself up in a warehouse uptown and reshaped all of his pitches and his slider has been unbelievable. Right now, he's got the fourth-highest uh, strikeout rate among qualified relievers at 41%. He's just outside the top 20 in ground ball rate and at 55%. A 188 ERA, despite pitching in Coors Field. Are you telling me that the Astros or the Indians or pretty much any other contender would not love a guy like that?
0: Well, sticking on the, the, the Indians theme that we talked about, the other guy on your list next is D.J. Lemayu, another yes. Rocky. So, you know, we were talking before about how the Indians could package, do you know want to package, to get to fill a hole in the outfield and add a reliever, well, they can maybe fill a hole at second base. I love it and add a reliever Absolutely. if they went after Lemayu and Ottavino. Lemayu having a uh, a weird year because he's slugging a lot better on the road. Yeah, I don't which buy is, that. Which yes, no, I mean, I don't. And
1: no one's gonna buy that. I know that's true this year. Five twelve uh, on the road, three seventy five at home. But for his career, he's plus sixty eight points of OBP at home, plus seventy nine points of slugging at home. Obviously, Coors Field. I think it helps a guy like that more than anything because he's all about be, having these bad bippy good years. And I think, you know, he's had that. He had that one really good year. 2016 was awesome. A bit okay the last couple of years. I think if you like, look under the hood, the peripherals aren't what you'd expect. Um, But you're right. I mean, you look at a team like Cleveland where Kipnis has been terrible. I was thinking about Milwaukee. Uh, Jonathan VR is now deep into his second below average season. They could absolutely use a second baseman. You know, the Red Sox, do you, I don't trust anything from Dustin Pedroia for the rest of the year. Nunez has been okay. Uh, The Dodgers I mean,
0: I, I don't. I mean, the, the issue with these guys is that I think the Rockies are inclined to try and, and stay in the race. Yeah, they've invested a lot. They want. I think they still kind of are are holding on hope of figuring out a way to extend Arenado, and they're not going to do it if they, they sell. And like both these guys are impending free agents, so they're not going to bring back a lot. So I just think from the Rockies' perspective, it's like, what, what, so, what am I, what am I really gaining by? You don't
1: think someone to give you up something good for Adavino? He like a top five and expected weight on base. He's been so good. He
0: could be a game changer in the playoffs if he's Put, fair. A, put him in the Astros. Like that's a,
1: that's an amazing
0: fair. Play. I guess it's it's possible. I just don't. I just don't see a big enough return for the Rockies who've sort of really been focusing on trying to win and just extended Blackman. Still want to keep Aaron out. I just don't see it.
1: Um, you're probably right, but I disagree with them, and I think that they should do it. Jed Lowry is another name on this list, and
0: to the A's. I'm so happy about this. The Oakland A's 48. 48- and thirty nine. I, I looked the other day and I saw that in the standings. And I like, and it, like I was with you preseason. We discussed them as like a fun, like dark horse team. And I was like, well, wow, I can't believe they're actually this. Yeah, good. They, I mean, they have. Who can even name their starting
1: rotation at this point? Like, because they had so many pitching injuries. And look at them, 48 and thirty nine, seven games out in the wild card, eight and a half games out in the West. That's the problem. The American League is crazy top heavy this year. So even though they could win, I don't know, 88, 90 games, that's not going to be close enough to getting them into a playoff spot. So they could hold on to these guys, but the fact is that they, I mean, they're not going to blow it up. I think people look at them and Tampa, who we'll get to in a second, and think that they are like continually rebuilding and not trying to win. I don't actually think that's true. I think the A's look at next year and say, hey, we might have a shot next year. We get some of our pitchers back. But they always trade these guys who are on expiring contracts. And if you look at their current team, they've done pretty well with that. Blake Trinan, Dustin Fowler, Sean Mania, Frankie Montas, a couple other guys. That's what they got back for trading Sean Doolittle, Sonny Gray, Rich Hill, Ben Zobrist. Like, this has worked out for them. So I can totally see them moving Jed Lowry, and he's been really good for like two years now. If you look at uh, Fangraph's wins above replacement, he's been worth about six wins uh, since the start of last season, tied with Brian Dozier for the second-best second, second baseman behind Altuve, and Dozier, who is also a free agent, has been kind of terrible this year. Lowry's hitting two ninety one, three fifty seven, four ninety eight. He's a switch hitter, and he's made 14 starts at third base. So he'd fit a lot of teams, I mean, he might be a good fit for the Phillies if they don't end up getting... Uh, Manny Machado, but the Brewers, the Indians, the exact same teams. I think he would be a fantastic fit if the A's decide to trade him, which they might not because they've been great.
0: But yeah, they, you're, the A's always do it. Even when they're sort of in contention, they do it, and they kind of are shameless about it. Um, so I could easily see them moving him. I think he's more likely to get moved than any of the Rockies guys. Probably true.
1: Wilson Ramos, Tampa Bay catcher, having a great year. Seems like he's probably going to get moved. Hitting 291, 340, 468, he has a 125 weighted runs created plus this year his breakout season in 2016 before he got hurt a 124 weighted runs created plus this year that's the fourth best behind JT Romuto Frankie Cervelli Wilson Contreras and you brought this up the other day so he's leading the balloting in the American League to start a catcher which is he's deserving because the American League catching situation this year has been absolutely atrocious it's one of the worst groups I think I can ever see but he still plays for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's going to win the balloting. I don't know if that's the first time a Ray has won the balloting. I should actually go look that up. It's Maybe it's surprising.
0: Like, um, I would have th- I would have thought that Sanchez, based on name recognition, or McCann, you know, World Series champs, name recognition, you know, would get it. So it shows it. It does go to show that how like the fact that we don't vote in the ballpark anymore has sort of I think skewed some of the homerism and taken taken some of it out because basically teams with a lot of attendance would 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 have like a built-in advantage in that regard. Um, So it's, it's, I'm fascinated by the fact that he is, uh, I love love
1: Like I said the other day, I think Sanchez is hurt and hitting like 190 I think people see that and they're like, Nope, running away from that. Uh, there's a couple of teams who could use a catcher. You know, the Red Sox have not really gotten anything from behind the plate. A 265 on base from Leon uh, or Vasquez. The Brewers haven't gotten anything. You can see the Yankees if they are actually concerned about Sanchez because Austin Romine just got hurt. And then my final name here, this is the one I, I, no one talks about. And I'm the most excited about this one. Garrett Richards. We talk about Garrett Richards on this show all the time. The Angels, uh, I'm going to come out and say it, are cooked. They are 12 and a half out in the West, 11 out in the wild card. Uh, He has never really been healthy, but over the last five years, he's pitched 512 innings with a 311 ERA. He's got the second best fastball spin this year behind Verlander, the first best uh, starting pitcher spin this year above Seth Lugo. Couldn't you imagine some team saying, like, I'm not going to count on him for a dozen starts, but I need like four good starts, one of which is going to be in the playoffs, or you come out of the bullpen right now. I love that.
0: The Angels should. I mean, they're they're in a weird spot, uh, and they're not going to the playoffs, so they should probably try to find see what they can get for some of their assets to see if they can kind of run it back around Trout, Otani, and Upton next year. Because and a help, hopefully healthy Cozart. He might be their only tradable asset,
1: um, Aaron Judge. So whenever we talk about the Rockies, I always get people saying, "Why don't you ever talk about Aaron Judge?" Right? He's got a home field advantage too. Yankee Stadium has a short porch, so he hit one yesterday that was oh like my God. he's like, a couple recently. yeah. And so I thought, well, okay, let's look into that. Let's see what it comes up with. Wow, 228 hitters this year have had at least 100 plate appearances, both home and away. Aaron Judge, home-weighted on base, 498. Aaron Judge, road-weighted on base, 298. That is a 200-point difference. That is the largest in baseball. There are three Rockies on this list. Uh, Trevor Story is right behind him. Carlos Gonzalez in the top five. Nolan Arenado is in the top ten. Aaron Judge is number one. And to put some context to what those numbers mean, his road Woba of 298. Well, what does that mean? Jose Iglesias is hitting 300 for Woba this year. Lurice Garcia, Jordy Mercer. Aaron Judge on the road is hitting 193, 296, 386. He is slugging like Jordy Mercer and Jose Peraza uh, away from home. What is a 498 home weighted on base mean? Well, no one's done it this year. That's basically what Mickey Mantle did, did in 1956. That is one of the 40 best seasons, basically ever. Uh, so, what's
0: happening here? Do you have theories? My theory would be that he does. Ha- he is particularly good for a power hitter in this day and age of going the opposite field. And I think that at Yankee Stadium, he feels comfortable knowing that if he just like can flick the ball to right field, he's so strong, he can hit a lot of 370-foot home runs. And I think
1: I think it's clear if you look at the numbers, he's trying to do that. So if you look at his uh, home versus road numbers this year, at home, he is going opposite field 33% of the time. On the road, he's going opposite field 18% of the time. Um, at home, he is hitting the ball on the ground 36% of the time on the road of the time. It really does seem like he is actively trying to hit pop-ups just (laughs) get the ball like barely over in right field. And it's working, but I I thought this was interesting. It's not just about that. Uh, He's striking out less at home, right? At home, he's uh, striking out 28% on the road, 35%, and he's walking more at home. 19% at home, 12% on the road. So I wonder, and I'm totally speculating here, if he's going up trying to do exactly what you just said and not trying to murder the ball, not trying to crush it 900 feet just make contact and make contact only at the kind of pitch where he knows he could flick it over the right field fence would that account for the lower strikeout rate and the higher walk rate good question like, i'm not sure I'm, I'm fitting a narrative like to the numbers here but i could see that happening i mean
0: if you're a yankees fan you should take 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 some solace in the fact that last year while he was still much better at home he still had a 147 wave runs created plus on the road where 100 is average. He hit 256, 404, 531. So it's this is not a complete like oh he's a product of his home park entirely. He has thrived on the road before, but this is weird. 53 home runs over the last two years at home, 27 on the road. That's that's massive. I, I cannot believe he's slugging 386 on the road. And you would expect this from a the thing is you would expect this from a left-handed hitter at Yankee Stadium. You know, there's always the talk like oh if like a you know a lefty slugger ever ever played for the Yankees, you know he. He demolished that short porch and, you know, hit 60 home runs, and yeah. this is a right-handed hitter who's who's taking advantage of it better than anyone.
1: He has a uh, expected weighted on-base difference of over 110 points, 459 at home this year, which is massive, 342 on the road, uh, which is fine, and I think he's actually running into some bad luck. Uh, this is my favorite stat of all of this. His batting average on balls in play, so exclude home runs entirely, just batting average on balls in play this year
0: on the road, 2.56, at home, 4.52. It actually kind of runs (laughs) counter to the theory a little bit because you would think that if he was trying to hit pop-ups to right field, essentially... His bandwidth would be really low because those that didn't go out would be the easiest outs, well, to imagine, e- easiest outs imaginable. And this is the
1: danger of fitting a narrative to numbers <laughs> because uh, there's always somewhere new to go. I don't actually have an answer to this, but I thought it would be uh, hilarious to bring it up because those numbers are crazy. Next, the last thing we're going to talk about is my favorite minor league player uh, because my friend Jeff Sullivan wrote about this recently. And I have more data to at Colin Poche. And I know that's right because I looked it up. I found the 2014 Arkansas Razorbacks, Razorbacks uh, pronunciation guide. He was a 14th round pick of the Diamondbacks in 2016. He is currently in A for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was part of that uh, Steven Souza, Brandon Jury three way deal with the Yankees. Why do I bring up Colin Pochet, who nobody's ever heard of? This year, he has pitched 44 innings overall, he has 82 strikeouts and nine walks. Uh, he has the highest strikeout rate in triple A right now at 49%. When he was in double A, he had the highest strikeout rate in double A at sixty-one percent. And now he's in triple A for the Rays. You assume he's gonna be in the big league soon. So you think about this way well, he's a lefty striking a ton of guys out. He probably throws ninety nine, right? Or has a wicked curveball. No, he does not. He has a ninety-two mile an hour fastball. That is it. That's what he does. He throws it about eighty five percent of the time. And uh, it's crazy. Like that is not the kind of thing that you would expect to show. Why is he striking all these guys out? He also, uh, he has pitched in front of the StatCast cameras once this year. He pitched for the Diamondbacks in spring training uh, ahead uh, at their home park, which is where we have StatCast cameras uh, there. He had a below average spin rate. I kind of expected like this crazy high spin rate. No, he's got a spin rate about 150 RPMs less than uh, the league average. But here's what I found he has a crazy high extension his extension which is measured at how far off the mound uh, do you release the pitch is over 7 feet the league average for fastballs this year is 6 feet and if you chart out the different the uh, correlation between extension and spin rate he is kind of off in his own little corner uh, the closest names to whom are Justin Graham and Matt Belisle, who aren't that interesting. And, and, they're, and they're righties. And they're righties. And Brent Suter. That's the one that stood out to me. That, But he never struck out guys like this in the minors for the Burs. and he's, he's certainly not now. Uh, so I really just bring up Poche, not because I think he's going to be a superstar or anything, but when you have literally the best strikeout rate in minor league baseball and you don't throw hard— and you don't have high spin, there's got to be something. And I think this is, like, sort of the Freddie Peralta story. It goes back to crazy deception, and I do have to think that extension is part of that.
0: For sure. And I think it's it's it seems to be just, like, there's no one else like him. So hitters, like, they can't... It's hard to make that, like, mental adjustment when you're in the box because, like, you've never seen anyone throw like this before. And also, you know, it's your reliever, so you're only getting one crack at him. It's not like you're like, oh, well, I'm going to see him again later in the game. I'm going to kind of adjust to it. Um, so when you have pitchers like this where no one else throws like you and we've seen other pitchers who can thrive with a similar type of you know um deception simply because you have no one else to compare them to it really does give you an advantage well, we've
1: been uh, irrationally interested in the Rays because they've been pitching really well uh despite all the, th- the stuff they've been through and now i get to hope that colin Pochet comes up matt finish this off luis perdomo came back yesterday i know you were waiting for this
0: finally yes it took uh it took a couple months um a long stretch in the uh, minors where he pitched quite well, I might add. Uh, 310 ERA and 11 starts uh, for El Paso. The thing about Luis Perdomo, uh, longtime listeners of the show know my affinity for him, the Padres right hander. Uh, more recent listeners may not be as familiar. Well, he's someone I've just long been interested in because of his. Uh, Unique profile of extremely low fastball spin rate with high swing and miss rate on his slider to me sort of suggests a unique profile that could become a dominant pitcher. And when you watch him pitch and he looks good, he can look amazing for short stints, but he hasn't really ever been able to put it together for more than, you know, a start or two at a time, so much so that he was actually demoted to the minors this year. Um, think about him, though. He's a Rule 5 pick, so he never had extended time at the high minors, which I think is what the Padres had in mind when they sent him down. Finally, after... um Almost two months in the minors, he came back to pitch against a very good A's uh, offense. Uh, Five and two-thirds innings, three strikeouts, four walks, which is kind of his own problem. Only two runs, though. Uh, 41% ground ball rate, a little bit below what you kind of want to see from a guy throwing so many two-seamers. But uh, an encouraging outing nonetheless, and good to have him back in the majors. The sad part was that it was in an AL park. So we didn't get to hit. We didn't get a chance to see him run, hit a triple or run the or run the bases. It was uh. I actually wore uh. I wore my Luis Perdomo jersey yesterday when I took my kids to the park, um, as one does. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was the only person in New York City with a Luis Perdomo jersey on yesterday. But when I was there, I saw another dad wearing a Padres hat, and I sort of felt like a like a imposter for a second. I was like, am I supposed to have some sort of you know Padres solidarity like? Fist bump or something with this guy like i'm sure he's looking at me like why the heck is this guy wearing did you go talk to him you should have no, I, I i chickened out
1: ah uh, this has been your bi-weekly luis perdomo update hopefully
0: and- hopefully we'll become weekly now that he's back
1: awesome and this is the mob.com stack ass podcast thanks for listening we'll catch you next
0: week